Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week, Dimitri Kakmi was born in Turkey to Greek parents. His fictionalised memoir, Motherland, was shortlisted for the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards and is published in England and Turkey. His short stories and essays appear in many anthologies and his latest book is called The Door and Other Uncanny Tales. He performed this story in Melbourne. I'm here to tell you that horror movies saved my life. They've been with me pretty much since I was a little boy. As a teenager growing up in Melbourne, I'd sit in front of the television, hypnotised by the phantasmagoric images. I couldn't get enough of them. All the screaming and mayhem was music to my ears. (laughs) And to this day, horror movies are my favourite genre. Now, my first horror movie was George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, dubbed into Turkish, would you believe? (laughs) It's true. It was summer, and I had just turned nine years old, and the family had gone to the open-air cinema um, on the island where I was born in Turkey. Mesmerised by the murky black-and-white images and the mayhem, it was like falling into Hades, the mythical land of the dead. And I never really emerged from that. But more importantly for me, as the film unfolded, I realized the full metaphoric power of the genre. To my eyes, the zombies were Turkish nationalists and the human victims, Greeks who had lived in Anatolia since antiquity and who were at that stage in the process of being violently purged from the country. This was all on an unconscious level, of course. I wasn't smart enough to articulate it in that way. But I instinctively picked up on the chthonic undercurrents, the subtext, if you like, and related it to my circumstances in ways that were significant to myself. From then on, whenever I wanted answers to anything, I turned to horror movies. I still use them as a cultural barometer. This may sound odd to a rationalist mind, if you like, but it made perfect sense to a little boy who grew up in an Aegean island where Christians and Muslims lived side by side with paganism from Greece, and from the Middle East. To me, horror movies were merely an extension of the myths and the legends that I had grown up with and the Arabian night stories about jinns and ifrits. And they were really just a part of my, an extension of my imaginative life, if you like. 
Now, about a year after the Night of the Living Dead, my family moved to Australia, and I discovered television. I'd never seen one before. This all-seeing eye became my window into 1970s Melbourne with its local top shows, lurid, soapies, and of course, the Saturday night monster features. <laughs> I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. You had 1950s creature flicks, Hammer Horror from England, then the lurid uh, Roger Corman films from across the Atlantic. They were all very highly influential for me. And television shows like Kolchak, The Night Stalker, The Outer Limits, Night Gallery, were just the icing on the cake. Even though I was scared shitless and could barely sleep at night, in fact, for five years I slept in my sister's room, um, and she was like sick and tired of me, just kept saying, stop watching these things, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't. <laughs> And you know what it was? It was, I enjoyed being frightened. It sent an almost erotic jolt through my body. It's true. <laughs> but over and above all of that, I think what I really responded was the aesthetic of the horror film, the suggestive undercurrents, the subtle, unspoken elements of threat, flight, and capitulation for reasons I didn't really quite understand at that time, I was drawn to very stylized, shadowy underworlds with barely seen night denizens who stood outside of time and space and who were really avatars for predator and victim. Now, if Night of the Living Dead was the genesis of my love, Daughters of Darkness was the supreme revelation. Who knows that film? <laughs> it's a fabulous European vampire flick. You know, chic lesbians hanging out in luxurious hotels, corrupting doe-eyed honeymooners. I was there, baby, and I didn't care who I identified with. I just didn't care. It was for me, it was it. And, really, and the interesting thing about this particular film is it made me realise I was gay. I hadn't realised at that stage. I was 15. And suddenly I thought, hmm, I like her. I like the way she dresses. I like the way she drinks exotic cocktails. I think I'm her. <laughs> so I thought, and then I just put one and one together. Now, as a great kid, as a great Turkish kid, I should say, growing up in foreign soil, these films reflected my own alienation from the greater culture. They gave me a place to belong. And because I was predominant, sorry, and because of the predominantly white Anglo-Saxon culture, they gave me a sense of belonging I naturally drifted towards monsters whom I saw as allies. If you get treated like a monster, you turn into a monster. Or rather, you identify with the monster. After a while, I wasn't scared of them. I rooted for them. In fact, by the time I was in high school and all my friends were lusting after Farrah Fawcett majors, I wanted to root 
the creature from a black lagoon. <laughs> He's really sexy in his rubber suit. Come on, come on, seriously. I called him the creature from a black latrine and hung around Mary Creek in Northcote hoping he would pop up out of the water and drag me to his cave. Never happened. Others, others did, but not him. And I was thrilled recently when Guillermo del, del Toro released The Shape of Water, allowing the girl to have sex with amphibian man. What? Why are you laughing? It's serious. <laughs> Sitting in the dark cinema, I was her. She was me. And at the same time, I was amphibian man. It's true. Now, towards the end of high school, I was summoned to the careers counselor's office. What do you want to be when you grow up, Dimitri? He said. Lurch from the Adams family, I said. <laughs> or maybe Andorra from Bewitched. <laughs> he suggested I see a counsellor instead. <laughs> but I was serious. I was very serious. They were my role models. I didn't care if they were male or female or ghouls and witches. All I knew was they made me feel good about myself. They extended my imaginative life beyond the bounds of a working-class migrant kid with all its attendant expectations and limitations. My horror movie buddies taught me not to be, not to see myself as a victim. They taught me to be determined, self-reliant, and to always rise above my circumstances. I drew on their resilience, their strength, and their unwavering sense of self. No matter how many times they were killed, they always came back. They were never really vanquished. This could be me, I thought, if I chose to go down that path. At 18, everything changed when I met the love of my life. Can you guess who it is? Carrie White. If the creature from the Black Lagoon was my fuck buddy, Carrie White was my soulmate. I'd read Stephen King's novel, of course, who hadn't at that stage, and I'd sat in my room for hours trying to move the, my pen with the power of my mind. <laughs> Never happened. But it wasn't until I saw Brian De Palma's classic film at the Preston Drive-In that I really got the point of Carrie White. Now, current discourse would have you believe that Carrie is a victim and a misogynist caricature complete with demonic menstrual blood, a woman to be punished and to be vanquished for her sexuality. Not to me, she wasn't. To me, oops, I've just lost my place. To me, she was she moved in higher spheres. When Carrie unleashes her telekinesis at the prom, she symbolizes the mythic grandeur, the ancient power of womanhood, an elevated state that predates the Olympian sky gods. To me, she is the Furies, 
the Gorgons, the Bacantes, the Sirens, Medusa, Medea, Lady Macbeth, and Andorra rolled into one. Uncompromising women who go against the grain and are utterly true to themselves. That's why drag queens love Carrie White. And as portrayed by Sissy Spacek, Carrie is also very human. She's warm, she's intelligent, sensitive, self-aware, and she has enormous reserves of untapped power. When unleashed, it can change the world. She is freak triumphant. And as we see at the end of the film, not even death can keep her down. Goggle-eyed and covered in blood, Carrie brings together all the monsters of my childhood. It's because of bigger-than-life characters like her that I've turned out as well as I have. <laughs> and that's why my personal philosophy is a horror movie a day keeps the personal demons away. Or, on a more musical note perhaps, a tomb full of horror makes the medicine go down in the most delightful way. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Attention makes me strong and I'm slightly isolated from it at the moment. Share your favourite ones on socials and follow Queer Stories on Facebook, plus me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. If you enjoy Queer Stories, consider signing up to my Patreon. The link's in the podcast description. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.